Let's now turn our attention to God's holy word. We'll read first from Matthew chapter 3, the verses 13 through 17. Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17, and this speaks about the anointing of Jesus to his office as the Messiah in the River Jordan. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then we go to the last book of the Bible, chapter 19, verses 6 through 10. Nineteen, verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So far, God's the reading of God's holy word. And we'll turn now to the Heidelberg Catechism, the confession concerning the name Christ which is also the name Messiah, Christ being the Greek from the Greek and Messiah from the Hebrew. So let's read those questions and answers. Why is he called Christ that is anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Our only high priest, who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us, and who continually intercedes for us before the Father. And our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit, and who defends and preserves us in the redemption obtained for us. Why are you called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name, as priest present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and as king fight with a free and good conscience 
against sin and the devil in this life and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures so far. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, repeatedly we place the name of Christ upon our lips. We do so in song, in prayer, and conversation. His Hebrew name, Messiah, is associated with a beautiful compilation of Bible texts that was put to music by George Frederick Handel and is heard by many during the Christmas season. And this work is an extended reflection on Jesus as the Messiah, moving from the prophetic utterances of Isaiah and others through the incarnation, passion, and resurrection resurrection of Christ to his ultimate glorification in heaven. And it highlights parts of Scripture that speak of Christ as prophet, priest, and king, just as we find in the Lord's Day that we read together. Now, one of the most familiar parts of Handel's Messiah is the Hallelujah Chorus. Not all of you may be aware of this, but when the Hallelujah Chorus is sung at a concert, people stand. And the custom of standing originates from what is believed to have happened at the first performance. The king, George II, was so moved that he stood up. An earthly king acknowledged the heavenly kingship of the one who in his messianic office is king of kings and lord of lords. What we confess and believe concerning the Messiah should rouse us and move us deeply. Jesus is the Messiah because he is anointed to make atonement for your and my sins, to remove our guilt and shame. And knowing that this is what Christ would accomplish, the prophet Isaiah exclaimed, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem that her warfare is over, that her iniquity has been pardoned. Jesus is indeed the long-expected Messiah. And in fulfillment of prophecy, John the Baptist was sent as a herald to announce the coming of Christ as the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And it is essential that we understand the name Christ and the glory of his office. For whatever we say about his name involves us. For through faith in the Messiah, we share in his office. And we too are given a task as prophets, priests, and kings. Believing in Christ, we are connected to him in a real and living way. Christ himself, the Messiah, comes to you and me and he asks, 
Who do you confess that I am? Do you believe I am the Christ, the Son of the living God? And will you stand up and sing the hallelujah hallelujah chorus in your everyday life? Well, this afternoon we confess the gospel of Christ as follows the Messiah. Let's stand up for the hallelujah chorus. And we look at how the Messiah's name proclaims first, he shall reign forever as our prophet, priest, and king. And secondly, we shall reign with him, united to him by faith. Now we are very used to putting the name Jesus next to Christ. But do we know what the name Christ entails? The name Jesus was a common Jewish name. But Christ wasn't. In fact, Christ or Messiah is not a given name or a surname. A Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, did not inherit his name Christ from his parents like I inherited the name Feenstra from my parents. Joseph and Mary were not Mr. and Mrs. Christ. Christ is a title. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He is the Christ appointed and ordained of God the Father and anointed by the Spirit to bring salvation and redemption and deliverance to his people. So when Peter confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he stated something that was far from obvious. Many did not believe that the son of Joseph the carpenter, this rabbi who ate with sinners, who denounced the religion of the Pharisees, that he was the long-awaited Messiah. But as the Messiah, Jesus comes to restore what we lost in paradise. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's what he's anointed to do when he enters the waters of the Jordan to be baptized by John. He restores us to life. We are made alive in him. And Matthew 3, which we read, describes his public ordination service where he is anointed by the Holy Spirit to take up this special and unique office. Just as the Old Testament priests and prophets and kings were anointed with oil. Christ is anointed here by the Holy Spirit who comes down upon him in the form of a dove. And the Spirit will surround Christ and equip Christ to fulfill his threefold office on that difficult road from the Jordan to the cross. And didn't Jesus himself acknowledge that he was anointed by the Spirit at the beginning of his public ministry? He proclaimed in the synagogue of Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me with the threefold office as prophet to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives as priest to give eyesight to the blind 
and as king to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So when Jesus the Messiah fulfills his ministry, the words of prophecy will be fulfilled. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. And what Jesus accomplishes in his threefold office during his ministry as the Messiah that was spoken about long ago throughout the Old Testament. Christ educated and instructed his people in the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption through the word of the prophets. And every word looked forward to the coming Messiah and that is why the prophets were exhorted to lift up their voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. And Christ is also our only high priest. Many priests served in office during, throughout the Old Testament. But all of their work has come to an end because of the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross. The only priest we need is Jesus. Our only high priest is unique. For he is both the priest and the sacrifice at the same time. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's Christ offered up his own body and shed his own blood in the complete forgiveness of our sins. He offered himself as a sacrifice for sin once for all, and it was sufficient. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The rebuke of the Lord broke his heart and filled him with heaviness. He looked for someone to have pity on him, but there was no man. Neither found he any to comfort him. He was cut off from the land of the living. On the cross, Christ said, it is finished. After suffering hellish agony, and indeed it was enough, the wrath of God was appeased, and therefore God would not allow His Holy One to see corruption. And isn't it wonderful to know that the Messiah takes up the cause, takes up our cause, as Lord and Redeemer. He paid my debt, and He supplies me with everlasting, an everlasting inheritance. And I can have confidence in him then, in life and in death, because I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand on the earth after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. For now is Christ risen from the dead, the firstfruits of them that sleep. And today the Messiah continues to receive honor and praise in heaven for what he accomplished in his priestly office. 
He is the one who, as a priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, sanctifies a priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, that stood and offered sacrifices year after year, but could not provide complete atonement for the people. It is he who shall purify the sons of Levi that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The fulfillment of priestly service allows angels and saints in heaven to sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. That's the praise of those who stand around the throne and who sing praises to the Messiah. Beloved, Christ's office has a prophetic and priestly dimension and one of royalty. For when his suffering is completed in fulfillment of the words of the prophets, when he has offered the sacrifice of a priest, he receives kingly glory and honor. The government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And since Christ is anointed and victorious king, he ascends on high to exercise his authority amid the shouts of saints and angels. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, he is the king of glory. And speaking of his messianic kingship, the prophets rejoiced as they heralded his coming. They said words similar to those spoken by the prophet Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Indeed, arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Brothers and sisters, do you see how throughout the ages our brothers and sisters stood up and in different ways sang the hallelujah chorus. They sang of Christ's messianic kingship on the night of his birth. There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks. And to them it was announced that a Savior was born in the line of David, who is Christ the Lord. But it, but it didn't always seem that Christ being king was part of his messianic office, did it? Three years after being anointed at the River Jordan, Jesus was nailed to the cross in his office as Messiah. 
Oh, we cannot imagine how deeply Christ was hurt and the pain he suffered. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. His own people mocked his office. They spat in his face and they slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, you appointed of God. Who is it that struck you? The Lord Jesus gave his back to the smiters and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. But it did not end with that. During his trial, the soldiers of the governor put a scarlet robe upon him and plaiting a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And while he was on the cross, they jeered. He trusted in God that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him if he delights in him. And they poked at his priestly service, not realizing that it was because of their sins that he was on that cross. And the opposition to the work of Christ came from unexpected sources and from the rulers of the time who joined forces with their enemies. And that raises the question of Psalm 2. Why? Why do the nations so furiously rage together? Why do the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. World rulers oppose the messianic king, but their opposition is all for nothing. He that dwells in the heavens laughs them to scorn. The Lord has put them to derision. He will break them with a rod of iron. He will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Well, beloved, as we marvel at the work of the Messiah, what else can we do but stand up for the hallelujah chorus? Jesus, the Messiah, is king. So what is there to fear in this world? His royal office will not expire into nothingness. In him we are victorious. We are not on this earth only for a little while and then to be gone forever. No, the Messiah is king and since he is victorious over sin, we know that he has conquered death. As Paul writes, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality and then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of sin is death and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And from this short overview of the work of Christ, it is already clear that everything Christ has done is done for you and for me so that we shall reign with him eternally as Christians. So second point. At the commencement of his earthly ministry, the Lord was anointed by the Spirit, equipping him for service. And that same Spirit is now given to the church, anointing us to a threefold office of Christian. As members of Christ's body, we share in his anointing. And keep in mind, however, this anointing of the Christian is not automatic. We share in Christ's anointing by faith. Yes, every Christian is tied to Christ and must sit at his feet to be instructed in his word. We are strengthened and equipped in the office of all believers through the ministry of the word. And by the Messiah's design, Energy comes forth from his word, which fills our hearts with love and enthusiasm. And what a blessing it is that heralds of the Messiah may now go into this world with the word of Christ and preach a message of peace. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of the preachers. Beloved, treasure then the preaching of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And notice it is the feet of the preachers that are beautiful, not their voice, because they come as messengers, heralds of the great king. And what we hear proclaimed must bring us to our knees in a confession of our own unworthiness. It must bring us to our feet in a standing ovation as we praise God for his deeds so mighty. Yes, let's stand up for the hallelujah chorus. That's the way we are to respond to the preaching of Jesus the Messiah. And how can it leave us cold, disinterested, and unmoved? Fellow Christians, what then shall we say in response to this? The name of Christ explains the miracle of salvation. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And if God be with us and for us, who can be against us? And knowing God is with us and for us, 
Why should we hold back from confessing his name? Why resist the calling to present our lives as a living sacrifice of praise? There's no one to condemn us or separate us from the love of God in Christ. For who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life as king, is at the right hand of God. And as our priest, he is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No, the love of Christ assures us that we will not be consumed by the wrath of God. Adversity and trials do not come your way because God is angry with you and hates you. That's how we sometimes respond when the wheels seem to be coming off, don't we? God must hate me, we say. Why else would he let such a thing happen to me? But he doesn't hate you. He is refining you. For he is like a refiner's fire, purifying us like silver, removing all the dross and all that detracts us from his glory shining in our lives. Why are you called a Christian? You know the answer, don't you? In the first place, you serve the Lord as Christian by acting as a prophet. Yes, those who share in Christ and His anointing prophesy. And you know that when the prophet spoke the truth, it was always prefaced with words like, Thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Yet in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. They spoke only after they had listened to the word of the Lord. And in the prophetic calling of the Christian, we must do the same. Listen to what God says before we speak. And so our prophetic calling as Christians means that Christ and His word and His work are to be at the center of our lives. Nothing else. You are only Christian when you follow Christ in your prophetic calling and believe His word. And being a member of Christ by faith also means that I serve him as a priest. Yes, Christians are a priesthood of believers who give their heart, their soul, their mind as a free will offering on the altar of the Lord. Everything is offered up to God. And Christians are also called to be kings. We're given a task to rule. But we can only rule when we recognize the Lord omnipotent reigns and when we follow his instructions. His rule is not harsh, but always seeks the good of the citizens of his kingdom, including the little children. He feeds his flock like a shepherd and gathers the lambs with his arms and carries them in his bosom and gently leads those who are with young. 
and knowing the Messiah is the loving shepherd of his sheep, be encouraged then to come to him. Also as boys and girls, come to him. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he is meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Oh, what a privilege it is to be a Christian. For we who are united to Christ by faith can look beyond this life, which has so many trials and struggles and tears, to the day we will have complete victory. The Apostle John saw it in what was uncovered by Jesus Christ around the throne of God. He saw the saints standing, a glorious multitude of those who had been made kings and priests to God, and they shared the riches of God's grace. Yes, that's what awaits us. We shall see God's glory. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Dear Christian friends, let's confess with the believers of the past and present what the scriptures declare concerning the Messiah. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Yes. Let's stand up for the hallelujah chorus. Amen.